Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back for another episode of the Science of Pokemon. I am your man Veteran Lucas and with us today as always is the Professor. How you doing Collins? We're good! Hey everyone, thank you for uh, coming back. If you have been listening so far or if you're new, thank you for uh, giving us a shot. Alright, thanks so much guys. Now as our third episode is going through, we gotta, we gotta get into what um, a lot of other Pokemon channels do and we gotta put in some anime trivia. So um, Collins, your question. In the Pokemon anime, what was Misty the most afraid of? Five seconds on the clock. Commitment for 500. Oh, so close, but also really correct. No, the answer was bug types, although you're not wrong. Guests at home, we, we all know that he's not wrong. <laughs> Um, no, we're going to be talking today about bug types. Um, so when you're talking about bug types, a lot of people will shift away from it. A lot of people are uncomfortable about bugs. But that's okay. Bugs are some of the coolest things that you can talk about in anything, in Pokemon or in the real world. So we're going to be talking about what makes bugs so unique in our world, some of the unique Pokemon that are bug-related, and overall what large impact these individual and extraordinary creatures have on our world. Are you ready, Professor? Let's cue the music! Woo! Alrighty, so before we get into any of the deeper topics on bug types, let's let's talk about why we're talking about bugs to begin with. Oh, I know. You know what? It's because they're, they're essentially the foundation for the entire game. Uh, really? Yeah, Tajiri uh, collected bugs and tadpoles as a kid, and that was his inspiration. He uh, he collected, and you know he wanted to create something where you could collect and trade, kind of like his youth. Oh, that's pretty cool. But that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, when you play Pokemon and you know a bit about biology, you know what they're going through isn't exactly evolution. What they're going through is a metamorphosis, a sudden change in your form during your life. So that's something that is specifically tied to a lot of invertebrate animals and without backbones but specifically most people recognize it as something that insects like butterflies do yeah and not only that while those are all great points uh we picked this because you voted for it <laughs> yep. go to our facebook group our facebook page you too can vote for the next topic mm -hmm. if you don't like our topics you can also put one in and if it votes enough we might just do it we just might <laughs> Alright, so um, with that out of the way, with all of that said and done, um, what on earth is a bug? Because a bug, um, it's a very generic term, because a bug, by a most general people's mindsets, could be almost anything. A bug covers like insects, arachnids, bidets, slanters, leeches, worms, all these weird little creepy crawlies that um, uh, people see in their daily lives or might see on National Geographic. But um, they really are interesting animals in that massive group, but we gotta break it down. There would be well over a million species to talk about. So we're gonna focus on the largest group, the insects. So um, Professor, you have definitely taught some youngsters in your time. So what exactly makes an insect an insect? Oh, I know, I know, it has six legs it has three body parts it has three life stages and goes through a metamorphosis very good professor gold star for you yes um 
one of the things that I like to point out is that with all of these, there are a couple that break the rules. There are some with fewer or more life stages, but typically they're going to be three or more. But um, that is the general layout of most, if not every insect. Now, with insects, um, one of the reasons I talk about them a lot is because there's just so many insects. All right, Professor, to show how many insects there are in the world, pop quiz time. Okay. There are over 66,000 vertebrate species, animals with backbone. How many insect species are there? Twelve. Closest without going over. There's actually about 900,000 species of insects. Oh, I was right there. And out of all of them... So close. You were, you were so close. Out of all of those insects, 350,000 of them <laughs> are beetles. Like, it's, it's crazy just how many beetles make up That's just all the insects. That's so it's, crazy. It's astonishing. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about the weaknesses and strengths, because I know we did that in a previous episode, and people like that. So let's talk about uh, the weaknesses and strengths of bugs. So thinking about the weaknesses, the easiest one is birds, uh, which would be the flying type. Birds eat bugs, so you're weak to the thing that eats you. Rocks. Um, so I kind of think of that you like squish bugs. I mean, it's kind of gross to think about the guts and stuff, but like, yeah, rocks, squish bugs. Um, and then fire, I, I think of that awful deranged kid from Toy Story uh, and the magnifying glass. You know, you, you just, you can, you just, you're lighting bugs on oh, fire. Sid. That That's genuinely what I'm thinking about. Um, the strengths. Of- These weaknesses are very depressing. <laughs> kind of. The strengths, though, um, so psychic tends to be weak to anything that would be like a common fear. So um, bugs are a fear. I, you know, I think that's kind of where we're coming from. Grass, again, you're weak to the things that eat you. Bugs eat plants. It, it is what it is. Dark, so I'm going to argue this. So especially with dark and steel, and as you saw with fairy introduction in Gen 6, a lot of types and a lot of changes to types were made just to balance the game, whereas traditionally weaknesses and strengths were based on more of like uh, mythos or, you know, proverbs. Um, this kind of seems to be more of a balancing thing than anything else. That makes sense. The bugs really weren't strong to much else besides the psychic and the grass, so they needed to give it something. Um, the last thing I want to cover with bugs is, well, when you see in the Pokemon games that some of these bugs are massive, and people ask, like, why aren't there any real giant bugs today? Because there were giant bugs on our planet. In fact, there was a time 300 million years ago where you could look up to the sky and see dragonflies the size of eagles and spiders the size of dogs. But um, 300 million years ago, the oxygen content in the air was about 50 times higher than it is today. Now, this leads to insects being able to have more oxygen which in turn means more energy, which in turn means they can grow a lot bigger and still sustain that energy. There's some recent series that suggest that um, uh, that these larger sizes are needed to avoid oxygen poisoning in their larval stage, but this is a relatively new one and it still needs to be explored. So the reason that you don't have giant bugs anymore is because of the tracheal system, the system where they breathe. Without that much oxygen in the air, they couldn't support all the energy required to keep that body moving. So I'm sorry, guys. You can't go to your local pet shop and buy yourself a pet tarantula the size of a dog. See, I would almost rather have that than the dog. Uh, almost, but not quite. <laughs> all right. So with all that stuff out of the way, let's get to the stuff that people really love. Let's talk about some of our favorite bug Pokemon. All right. So let's get this bug Pokemon topic started. Now, um, Colin. Oh, 
to you, what was the scariest bug type in the first generation? Like the one that gave you the heebie-jeebies? Metapod. Metapod. I, yes, his his cold, heartless stare burrowed into your soul. <laughs> but for most Pokemon fans, um, from what I've seen, it was Parasect. Parasect was horribly creepy when you read the Pokedex because that isn't a bug anymore. What that actually is, is a fungus controlling the mind of this helpless insect. Now, that is something that sounds out of a sci-fi book, but it's something that happens very much in the real world. It happens every single day, and it is almost always a fungus doing it. Ooh. So parasitic fungus, they exist all over the world. Um, and what they'll do is they'll live off a host, feed off some of the nutrients by decaying it, they'll slowly weaken the plant, and when it's done, they will spread out their spores and it will go infect some other porcelain. Now, with some parasites, these fungus will go after living animals instead of plants. They will cause the um, animals to do things that it wouldn't normally do in order for it to grow. Uh, the best example comes from ants. Um, there are ants that will be specifically targeted by these funguses. The spore will land on them and it will burrow deep into their body and then in turn their brain. Now once in the brain, it starts making them react in very irrational ways, convulsions, doing what they're not normally doing, such as putting themselves in harm's way. Now, to the ant's credit, they have learned to recognize the signs of the fungus, and just like people, when someone is super, super sick and you can't cure it, they will move, they will quarantine them, they will move them as far away from the group as they can, and then they'll hopefully be away from that fungal spore. Now, eventually, the ant goes to a lockjaw phase, so once the spores are really kicking in, they'll lock themselves onto the, um, the nutritional veins of a leaf in order to get more nutrients and that allows the fungus to just grow right out of their head. If you ever find the videos on YouTube in slow motion, it is both beautiful and horrifying at the same time, but it also matches word for word with what Parasect does in the Pokedex. Crazy. Terrifying. Oh, you yeah. know, I read I read that there was reading a couple possibilities on if a zombie apocalypse was to happen, and this was one of the more uh, believable uh, hypotheses that came up. Yeah, that would actually be my best guess if there was a fungus that was either found or created that could mentally um, uh, burrow into your brain and then just start making you super aggressive towards other humans, that would be the best way to go at it. Um, you wouldn't be affected by bites though, you would just start being infected by spores, so the very air itself would turn you into a zombie mushroom man. Mmm, fun. <laughs> isn't, that ter isn't that the funnest thing you've ever heard? Yeah. <sighs> Alright, so our next Pokemon bug topic is actually going to be about two bugs. We're going to be talking about Ninjask. And Yan, we got two insect Pokemon that were given the same ability of speed boost, where the more time they spend on the battlefield, the faster that they're going to get, which makes a lot of sense with insects. We see them zooming past our eye with things like flies and mosquitoes, but um, between the two of them, I wanted to see who was going to be the fastest in the real world, which one of them has the most speed and maneuverability. Um. Professor, what is your guess? Ninjask. Ninjask. Okay, so hold on to that thought, and um, we'll see what you think after I give off what Yanmaga says. So, with Yanmaga, they are based off dragonflies, and dragonflies are the greatest flyers in the animal kingdom. Not just insects, but in the animal kingdom, period. These animals have been around for a very, very, very long time, and that means that they've gotten to perfect their flying technique. Um, the best inventions to their flying were the four wings that they use, the ability to have true powered flight, 
and the ability to rotate their wings in different directions. That not only makes them fast, but it's able to move them in six different directions without barely an effort. The amount of speed that they're able to put off is about 30 miles an hour, and at that 30 miles an hour, they can still bounce and go to um, different directions. The amount of force that it takes for turning on them is equivalent to 9 Gs. Um, for those who don't know, 9 Gs would be referenced to 9 times the force of gravity, so 9 times your own weight being pushed against you. Uh, to give you an idea of what that would feel like, imagine putting on um, a G-suit, like a special suit designed for standing with gravitational force, spending years of training in the military to become a fighter jet pilot, and that is what you're dealing with. You're having to be physically and mentally trained for years to even tolerate this, and dragonflies do it effortlessly. They're practically born to do it. Now, compared to all of that I just gave you, how fast do you think that um, ninjas could go, a cicada in the real world could go? 32 miles an hour. Oh, I'm sorry. Y you lost this one. It's about eight. Mm. Just eight. Eight miles an hour. You were, you were close, though. You were close, and that's to be respected. Um, but Ninjask and Cicadas do win one other award. They win the award for the lousiest insects on the planet. Um, dragonflies don't make the most amount of noise, but cicadas can produce 106 decibels of sound. So individually, if one of them gets next to you and starts making it sound, that's the equivalent of me taking an air horn and blasting it in your ear from a meter away, or the average... You would have a broken jaw. Indeed, but you would have a broken ear. Take that. Um, the other thing it's compared to is the average rock concert. Now keep in mind, that is one cicada. Entire towns have been crippled by mass cicadas um, mating together and calling for their mates. And it's it's absolutely ear-deafening. It, it causes a lot of issues for people in health because of just how loud they are. Yeah, we have them up here, man. They're pretty uh, they're pretty bad when they're uh, when they come out. Uh, it's I mean, it's like hard to sleep through it. <laughs> yeah, they're really active at almost any time of the day. And down here we get them in Florida, but up north is where you get the loudest of the loudest cicadas. So not even Japan can compare to how ridiculously obnoxiously loud these insects are. Yeah, it's awful. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to bend the rules here a little bit because this one isn't technically a bug type. We're going to talk about Flygon. Ugh, I'm telling. No, 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 don't. Don't tell. Don't rat me out. You said bugs. Yes, I did say bugs. So put down the pitchforks and torches and gather around for the legend of Flygon. Gather around, children. Grandpa Lucas has a story to tell. Yes, I do, children. So way back in the days of Generation 3, uh, there was a three-stage dragon type. It was introduced as Trapinch, Vibrava, and Flygon. Now, each one of these um, Pokemon got a little bit of recent coverage in the Pokemon fan groups in the past few years because people wanted it to get a Mega Evolution because almost all the other cool dragons got Mega Evolutions. But my real argument, I don't care about a Mega Evolution. I care about them giving the wrong typing to this dragon since day one. This thing should not be a ground dragon type. Oh, okay, so Trapinch should be a ground bug type, but the others, Vibrava and Flygon, should be bug dragon type. And the reasoning behind it comes from what they're based off of. They are based off this delightful little life cycle of the antlion. Now, this is an animal that you can find anywhere down the south. All you have to do is go near picnic benches, dig into those little bitty holes next to them. Those aren't anthills. Those are antlion pits. 
the antlion is the larval stage of an insect, and what it has are these massive jaws that are hollow and filled with venom. And what these animals are capable of doing is digging a pit for themselves, covering the pit with very smooth sand so that anything can slip in, and then they wait. Eventually, an ant's gonna stumble in, and they're gonna grab it, and even if it tries to escape, they'll kick sand at it to try and knock it inside its pit. Um, in the span of two seconds, it will knock it in, bite it, inject it with venom, and then pull it into its pit, never to be seen again. The thing that I really love about Trapinch is that with um, the evolutionary line, it doesn't look anything like what it grows into, and that's how they work in the real world as well. Um, what the antlion uh, metamorphosizes into is um, a lacewing. Have you ever heard of a lacewing before? Yes, I have. All right. So um, one of the things that um, I bring up about lacewings is like they're the dragonfly's less successful cousin. Like the dragonfly got valedictorian and the lacewing just barely graduated high school. The reason I bring that up is that the lacewing is a really, really boring insect. Like all it does is mate and then die. That is... So it peaked. It, it peaked. It's like that 10th grader that's like the peak. That is as cool as he's going to get, and it's all downhill from here. Oh, I know people like that. I really feel he, bad for I, them I'm now. from Florida. I know most of the population here. Is like <laughs> so that is my argument. Um, Flygon deserves to be a bug dragon type. Let's get a petition going. I'm sure Nintendo loves to listen to petitions from fans. Maybe they'll listen. Maybe this podcast will be the start of something beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's worked so well before. Of course, nothing could go wrong with any of this plan. <laughs> All right, so our final insect topic today is actually going to cover something that's very serious to me. No more joking around. Um, this next Pokemon is my least favorite of all over 804 of them. This is the one that I cannot stand. Now, oh. given that it's a... Yeah, what, what do you think it is? Krogunk. Close, but I actually kind of like the poison dart frog mentality. But no, no, no. My least favorite Pokemon of every generation is Durant. I hate Durant. I want that to be clearly stated so that everyone listening knows there is not an ounce of sympathy for that Pokemon. I hate it. And the reasoning behind it isn't really because of its design, more of what its design lacks. So when Durant first arrived in 5th generation, people were like, meh, it's okay, it's kind of cool looking, it's got those evil eyes, it's got that edgy scissor bug style thing to it, everyone kind of likes it, but it was pretty much just made to be Heatmore's folly, like you would have a Heatmore that would eat the ants, and the ants would fight back, and that was their little gimmick for it. And when I saw this Pokemon, I was pretty upset, because I looked at its moveset, I looked at its ability, and honestly, it's my least favorite Pokemon of them all, because they missed out on so much stuff. Ants are incredible! Ants are the coolest insects on the planet, they're my favorite insects because of all the crazy stuff they can do. In the beginning, you probably noticed I talked about ants because of Parasect, ants were smart enough to know how to quarantine their sick! There, I can link of like maybe three or four animals that are smart enough to do that on the top of my head. That's incredible. And these are just little invertebrates. I can think of three or four people who are smart enough to do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so one of the things I love about ants is how complex some of their structures are and socially. Um, everyone is born a little bit different in that group. And that's just not something kind you say to a kid when they're growing up. That is literally what they are. Every ant is born with a purpose. They're born as either a worker who does the grunt work. They're going to be 
born as a soldier that keeps everyone safe. They're going to be the queen that makes babies. They'll have drones that'll go out and impregnate other ants, or they'll use them to go ahead and make a, make a new colony somewhere else. All these ants specify in their different ways of doing things. And I think that they missed an opportunity in the Pokemon games to have different forms of Durant. I would have loved to correct, collect the um, warrior version of a Durant. I would have loved to see what the queen looked like, maybe give it more health and defense. They did something similar with Vespa Queen in that the females turned into the, to the giant bee monster that it is, but why couldn't they do that with Durant? It would have been so cool to get to see that. Um, the other thing that I really can't stand about this Pokemon is how generically boring its movesets and abilities are. It learns Swarm and Hustle, and it learns like Iron Head and Bug Bite, and honestly, there's so much you could have done! Ants have this amazing ability to adapt and evolve to just about anything you can throw at them. They have evolved to do some of these amazing things that people consider sci-fi. You, you've heard about research about this. I, I, I know a little bit about this, actually. Uh, from my, uh, my previous uh, studies and, and career endeavors uh, before I went into education, they, uh, they, they are so uh, well-functioning that when they map their interactions and their communication, it's the same as uh, neurosynapses. So it, it essentially mirrors the way the brain communicates. Like, an entire colony essentially communicates the way the human brain does, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And when you communicate like a brain, it's almost like you're thinking. And when you're capable of thought, almost anything is possible. Um, so a couple of my favorite ants that have used this ability are things like the farmer ants, which will literally collect aphids, and instead of eating them, will keep them safe, they'll take them to some leaves to munch on, and if anything tries to eat them, they will fight back to make sure that their little aphid cattle are okay. Um, the reason they do this is because that the aphids produce a very sweet fluid that allows them to um, get a lot of energy from it. It's very sugary. And because of that, they've learned by keeping them safe, they have a food supply that they can exploit. Very similar, in fact, almost identical to how humans use cows. And they were doing this before we realized that milk was delicious. So <laughs> they were the first farmers, not us. The other ants that I like talking about are ones that are a little less obscure of fire ants. So down here, I live in Florida, and what happened was a lot of people brought fire ants over with some of the plants that were being imported into the country, and they went everywhere. Fire ants are a nuisance and a pain, but darn it if they aren't cool. Fire ants, whenever you give them trouble, they will find a way to get around it. Um, With floods, they are designed for living in the Amazon, so they specially designed their anatomy to deal with that. These animals will lock together and form boats in order to survive massive flooding. The second they find a tree or something to climb onto, they'll immediately swarm it, and they'll move as a collective unit. I, uh, I heard about, I, I'm trying to remember if it was uh, if it was Star Talk or an NPR podcast, I can't remember, but I, I remember listening to an episode about about a, uh, a researcher who studies fire ants, and he was talking about how they were gone for a long weekend, and the lab was closed, and the ants figured out a way to get out of their enclosure. They found a way to escape their enclosure and got the entire colony out and relocated down the hall. <laughs> Like in a different office. That is awesome. Um, 
Honestly, the only other animal I know doing something like that is an octopus, which is one of the smartest invertebrates on the planet. But that just goes to show you what they can accomplish together as a team. Um, one of my favorite team exercises that they do is seen in the slave-making ant. Well, they will work together as a unit to pillage and rob a neighboring ant nest, not just of its food supplies, but also of its workers. So It's not pillaging and robbing if you're doing it in the name of freedom. Exactly. That is that is the lesson that they learned. They're actually not doing it, though, for the lessons of freedom. <laughs> they're doing it to not have to care for their kids. So what they're doing with the workers is they are forcing them to care for their young. It's gotten to the point where these animals have evolved to not know how to care for their young anymore. Their first instinct as a group is to raid another ant nest and get them to do the work for them. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's one way to do child care. This sounds like a really bad episode of MTV Teen Mom. Oh my gosh, that, I would actually, I'll be honest, never watched a single second of that show. But if that was the episode of we're just going to go steal some nannies, I would totally be down I feel like that's show. the episode. Like, oh my this. gosh, what do I do with this child? Let's find something else to take care of it. We found the neighbor across yes. the street. No, help me, I baby. don't know what to do at all. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, your ants. So um, the, with Malaysian, exploding ants those are the last ants i want to talk about now with a name like that you know it's got to be something cool so the malaysian exploding ant has two chemical streams lined down its body and it's just keeping them there because if they ever touch each other they combine into a volatile chemical substance however when it is about to die by something eating it or something's messing with it it will contort its body and those two lines will touch purposefully and they will explode out of the ant's body into a sticky burning mess that covers whatever just tried to eat it ew so it's like it's like the chow zoo ant yes it is like chow zoo from dragon ball goodbye my friend goodbye my goodbye just an entire <laughs> colony of chow zoo <laughs> But it's a survival tactic. Um, sadly, these animals are endangered, not just because of the exploding okay. thing, but it's probably also because of environmental damage that their environments are going through. Um, these animals are absolutely insane, and that is why I wish Pokemon had taken some more thought into their designs with them, because honestly, Durant deserved better. Imagine going through Gen 5 and having to stop at a town and not being able to go through because there were no chances left in the Pokemon Center, that they captured all the chances, and that you had to go and save all of them. That would have been a fun little side quest, pick up Earthquake, TM in there, fight your rival, fight... I, I don't think you should quit your day job to be a game designer. Okay, fine, but you know, you come on, you gotta admit, there'd be something cool about it. Or at least teach Durant Explosion. I would settle for that. <laughs> I mean, it learns Thunderfang. It, it does? Oh, come on! Yeah, it's an egg move. <laughs> oh, that is... I mean, I'll be honest, there are some insects that can generate electricity, but we're not... Yep, that's another day. Yeah, that's another day. <laughs> that's another day, veteran Lucas. Okay, so yeah, that wraps up all our bug-type Pokemon that I wanted to talk about. Like um, the professor said, we're definitely going to talk more about some bug-types because there's so many to cover, but these are the, some of the major ones I wanted to go over with you guys because they have such a special place in my heart of either fear, <laughs> fascination, or anger. <laughs> or anger. Or definitely a lot of it is anger. This whole right, with that, let's cue, the, let's cue into the credits. Let's cue into the credits. <laughs> Alright guys, so this has been a really fun episode for us. I and me and the 
professor we, we love talking about this sort of stuff we love getting into the world of the insects because well a lot of people are scared of them people think they're disease-ridden or filthy or weird looking or something as a child scared you of them they're really not that bad i mean they're really important to us without them we don't have as much pest control um we lose a food source whether you know it or not insects are used in your food and research would take a dive because everything from robotics to medicine to military applications all use insects as a groundbreaking research topic so it really is important on that note i do want to mention that if you ever want to talk with us um best way to do it is on twitter um we are poke science podcast on twitter at pokemon science and drop suggestions let us know how you feel about anything please we'd love to hear from you there also don't forget to to subscribe on podbean or itunes wherever you find your podcasts uh please subscribe and tell your friends share let everyone know that you like us and um, if you're not into the social media thing i get it just poke science at yahoo.com we're there as well i'm listening to you guys and i want to hear what you guys have to say and if you're not an 80 year old woman uh find us on facebook our pokey science page uh pokey and then the apostrophe science page or you can find us the science of pokemon we have a group there on facebook uh facebook.com backslash groups backslash science pokemon please show up make suggestions interact with us uh talk about the show or any feedback you want to give uh we'd like to hear from you yes we would please be our friend please love us <laughs> lucas needs friends and with that note thank you everyone for joining us thanks so much everybody Bye bye